0: Hello, hello, and welcome back to the latest episode of our Tech Talk series. I am Rachel King, Associate Editor of Central Banking. And joining me today, as always, is Adam Chabai, Chairman of our FinTech and RegTech Committee.
1: Thank you, Rachel. Great to be here again.
0: Now, in our last episode, we promised you some insider information um, on cybersecurity. But unfortunately, we've had a little bit of a reshuffle. And we are incredibly lucky to have Alexi Grimm, who's come all the way from the Bank of Finland, to talk about central bank digital currencies instead. So welcome, Alexi.
2: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Now, as I understand it, you are a digitalization advisor to the Bank of Finland. So for myself and anyone else who doesn't know what that means, could you kind of give an overview of what you do on a day to day basis?
2: Yes, absolutely. So this position was, um, uh, was started about three and a half years ago and it was really a response to um, the digital transformation that's going on in the financial industry. So um, there were a lot of new technologies, new t- new types of service providers, um, phenomena like uh, blockchain and cryptocurrencies, but also challenger banks, uh, lots of different topics that needed to be looked into. And um, I had a bit of background in technology before, as well as economics, so um, so I started in this role as an advisor, and it's really a cross-departmental role. So I, I advise the board, but also all the departments, depending on what the topic is.
0: Okay, so you, in in those topics, listed crypto assets as, as one of the things that's emerged. Um, many of our listeners who've been following this debate have called in or asked us questions about the various crypto assets, digital money, central bank digital currencies, which appear to all be interchangeable, or at least the media uses them interchangeably, probably incorrectly. Um, And we've tried to create some kind of taxonomy. But it'd be interesting to hear from you, how you would classify these new assets that have emerged.
2: Yeah, I could try to do that in a a few words. (laughs) Um, So so, uh, so crypto assets, I would say, are a type of virtual assets in the sense that there's no sort of real world counterpart to to the, to the asset itself. So it only exists in a sort of virtual digital environment. Um, they are traded. So in that sense, they are similar to other assets like like equities or, or, or securities. Um, but then th- sometimes they're also Confused or um, you know, compared to monetary assets, basically money that is issued by banks and central banks, mm-hmm. there I think the the similarities um, aren't quite as clear. So, our banking and our monetary system is still based on physical banknotes yeah. and sort of the whole banking system is basically just built on top of a system of physical money. So, um, so in that sense. Uh, I don't think it really compares with, with crypto assets, but it's, it's definitely sort of a an asset class of its own and you can analyze it uh, in a, in a similar way as many other assets.
0: And would you class stable coins as a type of crypto asset or would you class them as a separate entity altogether?
2: So I think stable coins is a type of crypto asset. I think that is the, the purpose of stable coins. If you take a crypto asset and then you try to peg its value to an actual currency, uh, mm-hmm. an ac- actual money. But I think my, in my view, what happens when you do that is you actually um, start operating a regulated business. So in the end, it really doesn't matter whether you use a, a cryptocurrency or any other technology um, if you peg your asset or you peg your instrument to money, then you become something like a bank or um, a payment institution. Uh, Okay. So
0: do you think the people who are issuing these assets even know what they should be calling what they're issuing or are they mislabeling what they're issuing?
2: I think they're at least relabeling (laughs) what they're (laughs) issuing. Um, But when you start taking a closer look, I think at least in my view, all of the stable coins that I've looked at um, actually fall into one of the brackets that are already there, that, that you know, we already have a, a name for them. Mm-hmm. So um, depending on the case, it, it, many of them I think are clear cases of e-money or you know, might require a banking license or something else.
1: And Alexi, would you argue that it is the job of central banks and central bankers to educate the public? and the financial sector more broadly about uh, what is money, what is th- is not money, what is the role of digital money, how it relates to crypto assets and so on?
2: I think absolutely, yes. So I think the central bank is the monetary authority in uh, in its jurisdiction in, in whatever country it is in. And um, it is a public institution, um, so it provides a public service. And I think historically part of that service has been um, education or or communication to the public at large. So I think absolutely, when we talk about money, it is the central bank who should explain what money is and what isn't. um, And if there's any sort of new types of asset class that's coming to the market, I think it makes sense for the central bank to
1: try and um, explain what they are. I think one of the most interesting impacts of uh, privately privately issued digital money, if we can label it that way, was that it has uh, encouraged central banks to start investing in terms of research, in terms of resources into uh, central bank digital currencies. So Alexey, maybe could you please briefly guide us through what are the key risks and benefits with regards to central bank digital currencies and why are actually so many central banks around the world from various types of markets invest so heavily, I think it's fair to say, into this type of initiatives?
2: Yeah, so central bank digital currencies is an interesting topic. I think it, it's been driven by a few different things simultaneously. So there's no one driver behind it. I think, especially in the Nordics, it's been largely driven by by a cashless society. So cash is being used less and less as a payment instrument. In some other countries, it's being driven by um, uh, financial inclusion, um, getting a, a digital payment instrument. Um, to those who don't have access to a bank account and then also um, there has been as you mentioned um, acting as a catalyst um, these private digital currencies and, and cryptocurrencies which have you know shown that there might be demand for something more that than what's already on the market and and all of these reasons together i think have uh, sort of motivated central banks to to look more and more into into central bank digital currencies.
0: Do you think they should be looking down this avenue? Is it not a better use of their time to just focus on enhancing the current payment infrastructure?
2: No, I think I think they should be looking into it. Um, so first of all, because we might be talking about a development relating to money, and you know, a monetary authority should know everything about money and you know, should look into. Any technological or other, other mm. development that that's related to money, but um, if we talk about payment systems um, and market infrastructures, there might be something really really useful there that um, you know is worth looking into. So it yep. might actually help, simply in terms of the the technology.
1: And do you believe that uh, uh, central banks should be focusing at least for now on CBDCs in the context of their own jurisdictions, or do you believe that there is space for some sort of cross-jurisdictional cooperation and coordination?
2: So, I mean, in Europe we have to keep in mind that we're already operating in an environment where we have multiple jurisdictions uh, working together all the time, and so the Eurozone is a is a sort of union of jurisdictions in that sense. So absolutely there's a need to coordinate. Um, so even if we conceptually or technologically come up with some sort of new um, new concept, uh, we still have to think about how to implement that in different jurisdictions, even within the Eurozone. But even beyond the Eurozone, I think there's, there's definitely uh, a good reason to also you know, exchange knowledge between um, countries. and you know, Central banks uh, have similar mandates and work in a similar way all,
1: all around the world. So it makes sense definitely to, to learn from each other. And which of the technological platforms would you see as the basis for CBDCs? Of course, there have been some research that has been focused on DLT and blockchain. There are some projects which are dealing in more detail with cloud. Do you think that any, any of these platforms do have a future? Or which ones do you see as the, as the most interesting, as the most relevant one for the future of the CBDC research?
2: So all of these are definitely worth looking into, but um, the more I've been looking into CBDC, um, the less um, sort of opportunity I see for maybe, you know, blockchain or DLT uh, or anything we can maybe pick up from from crypto assets, even though sometimes, you know, those topics get commingled to some extent. Um, So I think the more we look into CBDC, to me, the more it starts looking like electronic money, which we have already had on the market for, 20, 25 years. Um, so in the end, I think the concept might be actually quite simple. Um, it might be something that we are already you know, perfectly able to do and, and, and you know, you know, put on the market um, so that in the end, there might not be so much opportunity for anything um, from the from the DLT
1: or crypto space. And do you see any CBDC projects that are worthy of particular attention for the coming months or any? Projects that you would like to emphasize for us?
2: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean they're all, they're all interesting. I mean, we've heard about, of course, uh, you know, Sweden, uh, what's going on in Sweden, China, um, Uruguay. I'm going to um, Kiev next week. Um, there's going to be a meeting um, with central bankers from from different countries. I, I've heard that Ukraine has had a project of their own. Uh, really interesting to hear that. Um, so, I mean, they're all they're all interesting, and they're all. Slightly different. Also, they have slightly different, um, you know, starting points and uh, uh, motivations. So, so yeah, definitely worth all looking into.
0: So my concern is that it's it's all talk at the moment. There's this, been this big flurry of central banks putting out research, looking like they're doing things, and I'm sure they are behind closed doors. But there's not been that many pilots or use cases, and where there has been the public's either not been receptive to it or there's been a change of consensus and they're now kind of rolling back. So my concern is why are we continuing to look at central bank digital currencies in such a kind of focused way, if at the end of the day, it's gonna be very similar to what we already have? Why not just improve what we already have instead?
2: I think think the research needs to be done to even if the decision in the end is going to be that, you know, we're only gonna make minor yeah. improvements to the existing system, um, or maybe no improvements at all. Maybe maybe it's all, everything's already getting s- resolved. Um, but if you make big decisions um, relating to, you know, how people access money and use money and how they pay, um, that is such a big and potentially risky, uh, topic that uh, it really deserves all the research and you know all Mm -hmm. the analysis that you could possibly do before you make any any decisions
0: any rash decisions
1: yeah i mean just before this podcast you know we had a i think a very interesting chat about the use of cash Mm. in certain jurisdictions and do you think the cbdc's have potential to fully replace cash at some point in the future not necessarily in the next few years but i would say eventually
2: so that is a really good question, and it depends on what you mean by cash. <laughs> so, I mean, cash is a is a really multifaceted concept. So, it is the payment instrument, but it's also uh, store of value, a store of value, an asset. Um, it is an anonymous payment instrument. Um, it is a, you can it gives you a degree of privacy. Uh, it is a one that is provided by a public institution, so it is a public good. So, it has all these different aspects. Um, so, if you ask, you know, could a digital version replace cash? It might replace some of these characteristics, or you might bring some of these characteristics into a digital payment instrument. For example, the fact that we're currently uh, entirely dependent on private uh, sector companies providing us with the payment um, payment infrastructure that we're currently using, on and the payment instruments. So we use we use cards and, and and so on, and you know, banking, the payment systems of banks. So at least in the nordics we asked the question you know should there be a public alternative one provided by a public institution that could provide
1: some of these services also and maybe just one one final question with regards to the to the CBDCs more generally uh, i think something that will need to be dealt with is also the issues of uh, uh regulatory and supervisory oversight especially, I think, on a cross-border level, mm-hmm. if you have CBDCs in multiple jurisdictions, do you think that this is something which should be dealt with and taken into consideration right at the beginning? Or do you believe that then the regulatory and supervisory frameworks focused on digital money and CBDCs can be developed or adjusted later on?
2: No, I think, I think you're right in the sense that that is one of the Sort of fundamental questions of cbdc i think it goes right to the heart of the definition of cbdc like who is it for who can ha- have it who can hold it who can use it um so and that brings us to the taxonomy like we, we talk about wholesale cbdc or retail cbdc mm-hmm. could any natural person use it do you need to have a, so, some sort of bank or payment institution that is you know ha- has access to it and so on and so on so i think it, it, it goes to the very heart of the concept um and also in the last sort of 10, 20 years, there's been a lot of work done to um, fill gaps in terms of you know, money laundering and getting uh, payment systems and monetary transfers to uh, be more compliant with law. And it would be a real shame if we now uh, introduced a new payment instrument that would um, make it again easier to, to um, you know, circumvent some of these safeguards and some of these laws. So I think definitely whatever Know, if there's going to be a CBDC and you know, it's one more alternative that's that's available, then it should definitely, the starting point should be that it should be as compliant and as, as safe in terms of AML, for example, than any other um, way to pay.
0: Do you have a, a preferred model in your brain when you picture a, CBC DC, well, a CBDC being issued? What does it look like to you? Hypothetically, obviously.
2: Yeah. Um, so we, that, that's a question we've been working on at the Bank of Finland very recently. So mm-hmm. so we're, we're currently working on a model like what what could CBDC in practice look like? Yeah. Like what would be what would we really talking about? Um, and I don't have one model yet, but. Um, well, I think there are f- certain things that we can say for sure. For, okay. exa- for example, it, it's going to be a central bank liability. So it's going to be issued by a central bank. So the central bank is going to be backing the the payment instrument in right. question. Um, there are a few different ways you can do that. So um, the central bank can itself be the issuer of the payment instrument, let's say something that w- might look like a digital wallet or like e-money basically, mm-hmm. or it could back the instrument that is issued by someone else, basically, basically a payment institution, um, but in the end, it would you know all the roads would go back to Rome to the central bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there would be an account somewhere in the central bank, and you know that's where the money would be uh, you know, coming from in, in the end. Um, so so that's for sure. Um, and maybe the other sort of almost certain thing is that a central bank isn't very good at you know building mobile apps or mm-hmm. you know, designing end-user experiences so those would be done by someone else right um and we already have a lot of that on the market we already know what people are using to pay with you know we have cards we have mobile apps and so on so it would look probably look very much like something like that and it would be similar to what's already out there with you know some of the e-money and other other types of apps um But apart from that, um, I think there are still a lot of moving parts and a lot of questions that you can still um, Mm -hmm. make decisions on, whether what degree of privacy, uh, what sort of data is being collected by whom, who has access to it, um, and so on.
1: I think something characteristic for Finland, uh, an interesting fact that I until very recently was not aware of, that you had experience with a prototype CBDC, I think it was back in the 90s, uh, when you are currently researching uh, the cbdc at the, at the bank of england bank of finland excuse me to what extent are you influenced by the uh, cbdc experience from the 90s
2: so that's right so um you know it, uh, one of the stereotypes about finland is that we are very good at technology but we're really poor at marketing so <laughs> um ask any Finn, and they will they will say they'll this. agree yeah um so it is a tr- it is actually a fact that you know, we've already had a CBDC-type product on the market in the 90s, which was um, developed and issued by the central bank, the Bank of Finland. Uh, and then that was uh, we had that around for about 10-12 years. Um, it was discontinued in 2006. So this was uh, it was launched in 1993. Uh, it was called Avant Avant Card. Uh, it was basically a payment card, so that you could load money onto it. It had it had most of the features that nowadays we would be describing as CBDC, but we haven't done we haven't done any sort of we don't have many publications about it. I've been uh, digging through the archives l- lately to find any sort of information. Most of the people who were involved in that project have retired since, <laughs> so, that, so a lot of the information and the knowledge has uh, has um, disappeared some, somewhat disappeared. So we're trying to kind of dig that up and see what we can learn from it.
0: And are you seeing the same? I know you said you haven't had a chance to compare, but the same issues that Avant had, or why it was discontinued, do you think the current models that are being proposed for central bank digital currency, do you think you'll see them mirrored?
2: Yeah, I think we can learn a lot from that. I mean, we know exactly why it was discontinued. So so the general public couldn't really see much difference between the Avant card and a normal debit card. Right. So that, that was the fundamental reason but the avant card was launched before there were debit cards uh, the way we know it Mm -hmm. today Um, so they weren't chip and pin they weren't um, that you didn't have nfc Mm -hmm. and there was actually a a limit on how much you could pay so it had to be the equivalent of five pounds or five euros and above right Um, so you couldn't make small Small value purchases so the idea was to have avant card which would be for small value payments and then debit cards um, developed, they became much better and you got rid of these caps and limits. Um, and in the end, uh, people just wanted to, you know, they preferred debit cards over the Avant card and no one used the Avant card anymore. And then it was discontinued.
0: So do you think we'll have Avant card Mark Two anytime soon or not?
2: I think we could, yeah. We could? I think we could, yeah.
1: Interesting. Um, yeah. And maybe is it something which is sort of, uh, which will be remembered, you know? uh, amongst the people of Finland, you know, so maybe, you know, young generation, you know, would it be more attractive for the population, the young generation, maybe possibly even some of the older or more experienced generations to, uh, engage with the digital money in case you would label it as Avant. Is it a well-established brand in Finland? No,
2: I don't think it is. No, <laughs> That's I, I, well, it's died I, out. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's pretty much died out. I've talked to people and no one really remembers it. Um, at its peak, there were about a million cards outstanding, so, um, which is about a fifth of the population of Finland, mm. which is a lot, but it, it's just been forgotten since. Um, so it would be kind of fun to uh, you know, resurrect the brand, but um, I don't think anyone would really remember the first, you know, the initial, the original Avant.
0: Well, we have Project Jasper and Project Stella. Maybe Finland will have Project Avant anytime in the coming years. But it'd be interesting to see how many other central banks have similar kind of case studies from, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago floating around. I'm sure there's more hidden away in archives and in the brains of central bankers gone past. Um, but I think that is all we have time for today. Uh, thank you, Alexi, for coming to visit us and for clearing up some of the issues surrounding the topics. You've helped me clarify the difference between crypto asset, digital money, I now know that central bank digital currency is way older than we first thought. Um, so thank you for coming in.
1: Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much, Alexi, for your time. And I think I would be a bad producer in case I wouldn't mention that we also very much look forward to seeing you uh, on the 17th and the 18th of March at our Fintech and Rectech Global, Global Supervisory Summit in Brussels. Yes, I'm looking forward to that too.
0: So Adam and I will be back in a few weeks with our next episode. But until then, it's goodbye from me.
1: And goodbye from me.